section nine of the dead devil of the army experiences as a buzzer and dispatch rider by austin patrick kerkorin this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five in which the author repairs the airline and retires for repairs himself part one dumas being chosen as the most suitable health resort for the restoration of my shaken nervous system i was dispatched there presently with a commission that called for the least possible effort on my part here sixteen miles back of the line i was out of range and out of hearing of the guns and my billet the cure's home gave an added touch of peace to what was already a most peaceful setting it was a poor home for catholic clergymen are not rich in french worldly goods but the housekeeper acting on instructions from her very hospitable master did more than her best to make me happy incidentally she was irish how she got there i never learned for i lacked the courage to inquire though i confess to some curiosity on the subject but the tea and toast she brought lacy my billet mate and myself in the mornings had all the flavour of home i never tasted the rest of her cooking for of course we ate at the mess lacy a canadian lieutenant in charge of the airline section was my immediate superior for the time being a very lenient superior he proved my duties consisted in driving round each morning in a car placed entirely at my disposal and seeing what the men were doing in the afternoons i played football and in the evening i prepared to sleep the most difficult part of my work back here i tried all the tricks enumerated by mr wordsworth in his famous sonnet on the subject of insomnia but none of them worked for me any more than for him so for hours i would lie awake staring straight into the dark trying to stave off a repetition of that terrible night try as i would my brain refused to rest with diabolical reality it reproduced one by one all the horrors i was trying to forget even when aided by an extra stiff glass of whisky i fell into fairly sound sleep it was still busy and presently it woke me it woke me with the sound of western singing ringing inanely in my ears or the sight of blackmore's eyes gazing despairingly into mine at times i would find myself digging for dear life at some hard substance that refused to be moved away by my strenuous efforts or i would wake gasping for air and calling out that i was choking and then realising that it was only my imagination at its old tricks i would try to be still while i quivered from head to foot in a perfect turkish bath of perspiration 
imagination can be tragically active even in retrospect it was a very limp assistant that confronted lacy some mornings but fresh air can be a wonderful panacea by degrees i slept better then they changed us to vineyard five miles away but still back of the line here in the wonderful forests that make the neighbourhood famous i found some hunting that also helped to chase the shadows but the work itself small as it was proved best of all it was my first introduction to the mysteries of the airline let me introduce you in turn the airline or overhead wiring is used to connect up telephone and telegraph instruments in positions too protected from the advent of the boches to require any sudden or swift changes like the cable section the airline consists of two detachments each of which consists in turn of one non-commissioned officer and ten other men one man of the ten being always mounted usually on a bicycle each detachment is subdivided into two main parts one the front party is responsible for the laying out of the line the making of holes for the poles the preparing of the poles and the fixing of the insulators the other the rear party lays out the wire strains and fixes it to the insulators and erects the poles themselves the officer in charge of the section is usually a second lieutenant his duty officially is to map out the course to be taken but as he nearly always has two detachments working in different directions at the same time it is quite impossible for him to act according to the letter of the law consequently this job often goes to the non-com who is a sergeant suppose the line is to be rigged between two villages for a distance of approximately five miles then number one the sergeant rides on ahead followed at some distance by the detachment he picks out the most suitable course to take when possible he avoids the main road cutting across country he marks the chosen path by a trail of red flags sticking at intervals out of the earth this done for a space of a mile or two he returns to superintend the work of the front party which has meantime begun he being responsible not only for the designing but the carrying out of the line he has to see for example that every pole is placed on the highest ground available that it is not on the road on a footpath or even opposite a gap in a hedge where passing traffic would be liable to knock it down he has to see in short that the men don't follow the line of least resistance meantime the front party consisting of numbers two three and four have set out accompanied by a motor lorry or horse wagon 
two of which go to each detachment on this are piled the necessary stores for the building of the line poles for cross-country work are fourteen feet high and about two inches in diameter poles for crossing roads are usually eighteen feet so as to allow for the transit underneath of traffic numbers two and three of the front party carry each a sledgehammer weighing about fourteen pounds also they have a jumper between them with this they jump the holes for the poles at intervals of eighty yards should a convenient tree come in their path they fix the insulators on that so as to save as much of their stock as possible number four who stays with the wagon fits the holes with insulators and passes them to the party in the rear number five who is usually a corporal superintends the working of this rear party number six pulls a barrow on which is fitted a drum of wire and is assisted in his task by number seven he wearing a leather glove lets the wire run off the drum through his hand the object being to detect any possible flaws in the cable these two really form an intermediary party by themselves coming in the rear of the front and still removed from the second numbers eight and nine wear belts to which are attached clips their duty consists in alternately taking the strain they fix the clip to the wire then facing towards the rear they bear back until the wire is as taut as possible number ten comes next he picks up the pole fixes the wire which the straining of numbers eight and nine has drawn tight and slips it into the hold which has been jumped by numbers two and three and so it goes at the rate of a mile and a half or perhaps two miles an hour each man preparing the way for or supplementing the work of the other as they approach the end of the red flag trail off starts the sergeant again on his pioneer work of picking up the course meantime however the men are not left alone for there is still number eleven he who boasts a bicycle continually riding up and down the whole line his job is to keep the crew hard at their work and see that everything even to the smallest detail is properly done finally there is the officer in this case occasionally myself eternally turning up at the most unexpected moments flying from one section to another in his swift little car no there is no lack of superintendence in this job and no lack of economy in its conduct no object lying in the cross-country course of the detachment that is high enough to replace a pole is ever spared whether it be a permanent telegraph pole already erected in the country or a tall tree or a housetop one and all they come in handy 
and woe betide the man who fails to press them into service as supports for his precious wire oh we are terribly economical on the battlefronts of france this you know is a war of materials and the only one we must waste is human life my stay at vignacourt did not last more than a month so i was soon boosting back to my old place on the line but it was a very stiff man who reported one evening at a signal office along the somme the chances being that my football games were over i determined to indulge in a regular orgy at the end in the morning i played soccer with the men a fine bunch of athletes they were in the afternoon i took part in a game of rugger between signal and staff officers versus the rest it was one of those rare spectacles well worth immortalizing with a movie camera though one shrinks from the possible effects it might produce on the mind of the british public a civilian entering the ranks has forcibly impressed on him at various times the dignity of the high command the deference due to exalted station and the disastrous consequences that follow any familiarity with his superior officers consider then the feelings of the raw recruit confronted by the spectacle of a general arrayed in amputated pyjamas ducking and diving bucking and being bucked around a second-rate football field lined most liberally by cheering tommies togs of course are very scarce along the front and uniforms neither comfortable nor convenient so when brigadier general t decided to join us in his night attire no one expressed the least embarrassment or surprise as he was twenty years the senior of the eldest of us we thought with the contempt of youth that his presence would not add to our chances but we were wrong for neither his language nor his limbs had lost their vigour there came a stage in the game when we the signal and staff were pressing on the rest's line the brigadier was playing scrum half-back the burly sixteen forwards were fighting for supremacy in the scrum the old man lobbed the ball in but instead of waiting for his forwards to heel it out he suddenly vanished in the mass of legs then as suddenly out he popped on the other side and was over the line for a try we were winning with three minutes to go and were beginning to feel ourselves safe when a huge gunner got away down the wing on he came like a steam engine shining with sweat but fresh as a daisy drenched in dew no one could stop him we were all about in finally there was only me for him to pass i was playing fallback i had about decided that if i could manage to bring him down i could at least drive him into touch but he must have guessed my intentions from my face 
with a sudden swerve he turned away from the touchline to the open field it proved to be his undoing there came a cheer from the sidelines and a wild shout go it pejos oh the demoralizing effect of football it was a private addressing a brigadier-general and there came our little dynamite half-back he was well under six feet streaking up the field like a comet now he was on the big gunner who had lost ground in his attempt to swerve then with a yell worthy of an indian and a string of parlour words that wouldn't have disgraced a longshoreman he hurled himself on his huge foe there followed a couple of fine somersaults both bumped the earth then as if made of rubber up bounced our brigadier and booted the ball down the field into touch for safety while the gunner lay stiff and windless there was once a famous dublin sport writer who declared that to get an angle on a game he always sat not in the press seat but on the steps of the mater hospital where he could count the casualties from both sides as they come in his method might have been applied nicely to our game swollen lips swelled foreheads bruised limbs broken bones we had them all i got only a bloody nose which insisted however on repeating its afternoon performance at intervals as i drove back that evening to my old billet though a very tired man i sat up long to hear the latest there were many gaps in the old ranks some in hospital some gone west there were also some promotions and decorations in connection with the latter i must tell a story over which i confess we laughed loud and long incidentally it may supply psychologists with a new definition of daring i'm afraid they have never found one to cover this case s was a friend of ours solemn and stately about as animated as a statue when not compelled to use his muscles a very careful man however with a strict sense of his duties but absolutely lacking in enthusiasm or inspiration it happened that after a very uneventful term in france he was sent home on leave of absence he was not gone two days when venus accomplished what her friend mars had utterly failed to perform s came to life with a sudden start animated by a hopeless and helpless passion she must have been a charmer to make this stone man melt but alas she was also a gay deceiver having raised him for a short period to the highest heavens of joy she plunged him into the hell of despair when he returned to the front after this disastrous encounter he had been transformed from a statue into an untamed tiger cold before 
he was fiery now where he had once been careful he became reckless was there a chance of getting shot he rushed fearlessly in he exposed himself in and out of season risks were the breath of his life for all he courted was death there could be no doubt of it he wanted to get killed but did he not at all war never takes the willing instead so unheard of was the fortitude and enterprise he displayed so it seemed to the uninitiated superiors that his feats reached the ears of the general forthwith he was recommended for a dso or distinguished service order he got it strangely enough it restored his senses not that he became a regular statue again but he took the usual precautions for preserving his life i would be willing to bet he has lost it since the gaps i found in the regimental ranks were not the only ones awaiting me on the line the village too was poorer by one inhabitant a very harmless and helpful creature she had always seemed ready at any time to take on a man's laundry and turn it out for him almost while he waited no one had ever thought of connecting her with the mysterious accidents that had sent ammunition dumps and camouflage batteries so often up in smoke no one thought of it that is until it was proved beyond dispute unusual aim on the part of the enemy guns always indicates more than average intelligence there are certain things of course which cannot be concealed from the eyes of the aviators but dumps or dugouts are not reckoned among the number no man can see things under the earth consequently when fritz makes an amazingly accurate hit everyone is on the lookout for suspicious characters but though the town was very small none was discovered until an enterprising young airman got on the qui vive looking for trouble from aloft he allowed his eye one day to rest on some bedsheets displayed conspicuously on a lawn white shows up well against the dark background of the earth that is why the landing stages are painted that colour and that is why everyone laughed at this chap who was not much more than a novice when he came down with his story about the old lady's laundry she was quite old as such people often are it is most convenient to be able to plead senile deafness or appear doddering when one is asked either pertinent or impertinent questions but though his suspicions provoke sarcasm he nevertheless received instructions not to let the said laundry out of his eye he didn't and one day he reported those sheets to have assumed the shape of the letter v the next day they resembled an r 
every day they were there weather of course permitting an investigation followed and the boy was proved right those sheets were being used as semaphores to point out to enemy airmen positions worthy the attention of their guns that is why the old lady had vanished from view and we all had to look elsewhere for a last-minute laundress. End of section nine.